Hey everyone, it's the Fractional Edge here at FRAC 2023, and we are going to continue our afternoon podcasting. I have a fellow HR executive with me, Maggie. Why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us where in HR you're focused and a little bit about your story. Great. Thank you, Carol. I am focused, I'm Maggie Debner, focused in all areas of HR, fractional CHRO role, but with expertise in mergers and acquisitions. Mm. All areas of mergers and acquisitions from due diligence to closing, onboarding employees, and then the, the real fun part, which is acquisition integration and the part most prone to failure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Is there a specific industry that you focus on in the M&A? No, I'm industry agnostic, okay. but I've done technology, um, manufacturing, and construction. So Which one's the hardest? Um, they all have different facets. Mm. I think that the hardest part is, you know, bringing the cultures together. When the It's not the company that's the hardest. It's when the companies are most diverse in their values, in their structure, in their operating principles. Yeah. And if they're small companies and the CEO is the one that's kind of winning in that acquisition of their company, it's kind of hard sometimes to keep the rest of the team engaged. Correct. And in, in the early parts, the due diligence part, it's all a secret. So <sighs> nobody's supposed to know. And so keeping that quiet becomes a full-time job. Yeah, because right there is the baked-in um, uh, break of trust. Correct. Right? And so now it's, you know, when people are doing M&A, well, you got to have an HR person there. You got to have them there beforehand, during, and after. Because if you skip any of those, it's destined to, you're going to see a fallout of the talent, potentially then, of course, the fallout of the clients. Correct. And you, you hit it on the head, Carol, is that I've gotten calls from owners or CEOs that say, we need to run payroll on a new company. And I said, sure, when are you closing? Two weeks ago. Yeah. Oh, payroll's tomorrow. <laughs> so, or we need to integrate two systems and we needed to do it yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I get it from a, it's a, it's a non-organic way to growth. It's growth through acquisition and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just, if you want to ensure long-term, long-term success, the thing that makes those organizations run are the people. Correct. And I say closings, you know, closing deals is like having a baby. It never happens on the due date. <laughs> So in your experience as a fractional CHRO, what are some key strategies or even best practices that you get consistently positive results? One of the things that I've been recognized for executives that I've worked for is that I'm a business strategist first with mm -hmm. HR expertise. And I, I think there's a compliment in there somewhere, but, <laughs> but I always try to peel it apart and understand where it's coming from. But I don't do HR for HR. I do HR for the business. Got it. And then you always get exponential results. I mean, we are de facto entrepreneurs as fractional executives. Absolutely. We go through the trials and tribulations just like they are going through. So, of course, you're a business person first, and then the service you provide is HR. Correct. But you'd be surprised the exceptions that I hear about. Oh, do tell. I have to hear stories. Uh, um, just <laughs> executives that have had mishaps and HR putting, you know, waving the police flag, and it's, it's oh. not the business flag. It's uh you know, that power and control and it's not, that's not where the leverage and that's not where the, where the, you know, the fun hits. Uh, yes. The old adage of we're the policemen, we're the firefighters, yeah. we're all of those things. And that's where we end up having that. We need to create that shift of HR is your people partner because it's the people that run the business. Well, look at what the largest 
line item is on the P&L. And you know what, Payroll. that's, it's interesting. I think I've probably had a number of conversations with HR professionals. Many times the CFO walks over to us and say, well, you're the biggest, biggest expense. And I look at them and go, really? Am I not the biggest investment? So that is one of the things like, let's go ahead and change that dang vernacular. We're not an expense. Without us, we're the ones who are focused solely on those employees. Okay. And I think when you're doing M&A, those people need more attention than just some organization that's organically growing 10, 12, 15% a year. Correct. What would you say, give me a success story of how you being integral in the due diligence and the integration has really been unexpected expected pleasure for the organization. Well, one of the one of the exciting opportunities I had with a technology company and we set up a business outside of the global footprint that they had. They'd never been in Switzerland before. We set up a new business with 12 people and put those people boots on the ground, got them going, got them all set up, got them operating effectively and now, fast forward 10 years down the road, there are 150, more than 150 people in the organization running all the asset ownership through that entity. And it's over, it's multiple billions of dollars. Now, wait through. a minute. You do M&A Global. Correct. Now, there's a whole other sticky wicket. <laughs> it is, because you start dealing with work <laughs> consoles. Yes. And things get, uh, things get real fun and real interesting. Tell me about your background in Global. I, like I said, I set up a company in uh, Switzerland, moved to, started up an entity there where we had no footprint. So we had to deal with all the works consoles mm -hmm. all set up. We, I worked in India, Brazil, Argentina, I'm trying to think of where else, yeah. China. So quite uh, Malaysia, spent a couple weeks setting up an operation in Malaysia with a client. It's, you know, organizations, we are a global economy now. I mean, if COVID, if we weren't already before, boy, we went on steroids with yeah, COVID-19. Because now we can hire people everywhere. We can have things built everywhere. Um, it is just, it's even more open than it ever was. When CEOs are thinking from an HR, from a talent management perspective, that they may want to look into growing their business outside of their geographical footprint. How do you advise them? Uh, we look at where, where they're trying to build, where the expertise exists, and then look at those geographies. But you don't have to have people in your backyard. I remember years ago, I was working with companies to become more flexible and do the telework thing. And met with three CTOs in one company and they said, we don't want it. Don't cram this down our throat. And it's like, I'm not cramming down. It's a toolkit. You know, you can use a hammer to or or a screwdriver to put in a nail, but the hammer works better. Mm. And so we started talking about it and they had all cut sweetheart deals with people ah. to get them to come, but it was a secret. I said, So you have telework, you have flex work, but you're not marketing it. So you're limiting your HR's ability to recruit talent. And so then they realized what they were saying. It's like, yeah, that's ludicrous. <laughs> It's a lot of times just helping these people see it through a different lens, yeah. right? Somebody told them to think one way, and that's worked for them for a period of time. Correct. And it's really just about helping them see it a different way. Well, and they like to think that they're special, they're unique. They, you know, they're not like that cookie cutter organization I worked mm -hmm. with last month. But they're in in reality, they are more similar than different. Yes, exactly. Um, can you share a specific challenge that you faced as a fractional executive? And then how did you overcome it? Sure. One comes to mind. I work with an organization that was 
um, 5,000 people across the U.S., and they were entirely paper mm. processed. So if you went for a job, you had to fill out a physical application. If you got an offer letter, you had to wet sign. It's like, I don't know if technologists know how to wet sign it. Oh, <laughs> an offer letter. <laughs> And then they had to scan it back and return it. So it was fun looking at the process because the HR team, the executives were ill-prepared to transform the organization. So if I look at anything, I'm, I'm a change junkie, mm. and I love that. I mean, I would have done that job for free. I was paid handsomely for it, but it was, <laughs> it was a fun success story because both the president and the CIO said that the only reason it was successful was because of my, myself and my partner that worked on the change leadership aspect of it. And that, you know, is one of the biggest things, the technology that's coming out to support small businesses that can help with whether it be marketing, IT, finance, human resources, that is really what allows fractional executives to even be more effective is the fact that you get to partner with some level of technology that an organization didn't even think about initially and they can cut it in half, cut the time of doing something in half. And what does that do to their bottom line? Correct. And it's so affordable. There's so much technology that's very affordable, Carol. So that makes it, you know, that that makes a CFO and the CEO happy. <laughs> Have you ever um, dealt with any resistance when people are wondering, why am I going to hire a fractional executive? Sure, because they, they might already have a CHRO on duty or on staff. And so when I come in for... For an M&A, it's a capacity issue. Mm -hmm. The top HR person doesn't have the bandwidth to be able to do it or the expertise. And so I come in under, under that project or that engagement. But what I quickly do is, you know, help them understand how they can leverage and become more efficient. Got it. Sometimes the biggest resistance comes from the HR team themselves. Mm -hmm. And we know how to do this. We, we're, we're not broken. And it's not that they're broken. It's that they can just be more effective. In the example that I cited where they were all paper, they had to rethink how they did everything because it was funny. We were going through the process of explaining the system, and I said, here's how the here's a new hire experience. Here's the candidate experience. Here's the onboarding experience. Here's the retiree experience. Went through all the process, and they said, when do we print the, you know, the file, the employee <laughs> record file? I was like, you can throw your printer away. Yeah. So exactly. It's helping people, you know, really step back and look at the bigger, broader picture. I, I love watching both CEOs and CHROs uh, that are in that in the fray. And when they bring on people who are like, well, let me just move the needle a little bit. And I go, hey, can I have a big garbage bin? And you just scan whatever those pieces of paper are and you throw them in the garbage bin. Their hearts are like, boom, 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 boom. I'm like, trust me, honey, it's there. Like, what if it breaks? Okay, it's the cloud. <laughs> If that breaks, we're all in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you're, you won't be alone. Exactly. Misery loves company. You'll have a lot of friends. <laughs> so when you think about fractional executives and you're in HR and you think about workforce planning, how do we kind of continue to tell organizations of all sizes how fractional executives are really what that competitive edge can be when they're looking at their whole workforce planning? Absolutely. When you look at, you know, I've got experience with Fortune 100 companies. A small to mid-sized firm typically wouldn't be able to afford someone of my caliber and expertise. When you look at fractional, five companies could afford me mm -hmm. splitting it up. Ten companies could afford me splitting it up. But you look at what do you need at the here and now and how can we leverage that across time and other organizations. So it gives you the ability to work with top-tier talent 
for a fraction of the time with exponential results. Yeah, it, it really shortens the time to action. Well, yeah, and you and I have done these things not five times, not 10 times, but 50 times yeah. before. So having that expertise, you get to market faster and you can deliver sooner and de-risk it. And having an executive, somebody who has that breadth of knowledge and that depth of knowledge to be able to work with the C-suite to really help them better understand how finding the right talent and ensuring that they've got the right career experience to have the right outputs. You know, we're looking at it from what's your strategic objective. And while you may have this output of training and development or recruiting or integration of M&A, it still needs to line up to the strategic plan. But that whole middle layer, that's all really a big, a big part of workforce planning, which is how many people does it take to screw in a light bulb and which kinds? And the exponential networks that we all have access to is I might not be able to recruit the talent that they have, but I know a dozen or more recruiters that can help me out. So they really have a lot more people behind me than just me. Yeah, it's it is a whole network of of yeah. brain trust. It is and yeah. people that have been in the industry for decades and have had hundreds and thousands of successes behind them. So give me your um, opinion or what's been so fun about FRAC 2023? Uh, you know, I'd say two things that I would tell people is that it's so actionable and resource rich is that people are more than open to giving, sharing concepts, ideas, documents to help people get off the board, uh, off the ground faster and more effectively. Yeah, there's really an abundance mindset here. There's really a, look, there's more than enough people out there who need our magic. And this is why a lot of times we tell fractional executives, while you can do everything, um, really try to see where you're gonna come home every day, or if you're working from home, you're gonna leave your home office every day, just feeling amazing. And just know that, yeah, you could probably expand some of your own skills, but there's also somebody sitting next to you that could probably do that quicker, faster, and better, because that's their magic. Exactly. I think about my days at SAS and at other organizations where we're working in best places to work. And when you look at what other companies have done to become a best place to work or other executives have done to be honored in that capacity, you can leapfrog because you see what they've done. So you leapfrog it. You don't make their mistakes. And so you get the chance to be that much better, that much faster, and that much more aggressively. Yeah, and then it moves the needle just so much faster. If we're going to try to look, what what is the statistic now? I don't even know. Something like ninety plus percent are small businesses, even the U.S. or I, I don't even know what the number is globally. But getting your traction to be able to grow and scale is always the toughest part. It is, and whether it's through M and A, whether it's through organic growth, the idea is you kind of need those people who can come in and get you from point A to point B a whole lot faster. Otherwise, you lose that time to market. Correct. And, and it's the de-risking piece is that, you know, other companies have paid for our mistakes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we're, we're already trained and ready to go. We're not going to make them again. <laughs> so what is one thing you want to leave our audience of CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs? You know, what do you want to leave them with? I would say that I've been hired by my repeat businesses, my best business card is I've been hired by former bosses, former clients, and executives, and I've been referred to others by their their good word. So how do we so, get a hold of you? How do we find you? I can be found on mwdebner at gmail.com or 651-324-7338, 
or on LinkedIn at Maggie Debner. Fantastic. Thank you for being on the Fractional Edge. It was great. It was so Thank great you, Carol. to meet you this week. It was fun. Thank you so much <laughs> for your Absolutely. I appreciate it. All right. Okay.